I'm sure none of you are involved in this this week. And in case you live in a bubble, uh, the Powerball reached, I think it was $337 million this last week, and so lots of people were buying lottery tickets. I heard one quote that said, when you buy a lottery ticket, you're buying a ticket to a dream. I thought that was an interesting way to put it. But I really wanted to talk about today was what are your dreams? Not about the lottery, and I'm not trying to advocate for the lottery, please don't. Email me about that after the sermon. But what are your dreams? Uh, lottery or not, we all have them. Things we would like to do, places we'd like to go, what we would like to be, what we would like to accomplish, what are your dreams? If I could put it this way, what destination are you trying to get to? What do you hope to achieve or become? What would you fill in that blank? We want to talk about dreams today and where we're headed and where we want to be. But before we do that, I need to pause again for Jesus' safety lecture. Um, you know, there's always a safety lecture. You go on a roller coaster, and they have to say, now keep your hands inside, keep the, you know, the bar down, whatever it might be. You get on the plane, nobody listens, but the flight attendant has to give the safety lecture. And in certain situations, you think, maybe I better pay attention um, so I don't get hurt. But it's there for our benefit. Well, we've been talking through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has repeatedly stressed something that I'm going to harp on one more time. And I know I've talked about it a lot, but it's so critical, and that's why I'm calling it Jesus' Safety Lecture. Because for all of the points throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he tends to come back and say, now I've got to remind you, you've been taught this way. This is how you were raised. This is how everybody around you thinks and acts. But I want to tell you, I want to warn you that if you want to experience new life, if you want to experience abundant life, this is how we're going to do it. And they're not the same. And it really is so critical to capture that. And part of the reason it's so critical is, if we're honest, it's so hard. We humans are people of ruts. This is how we do it. This is how I was raised. This is how the people around me do it. This is how I always think. This is where I'm always coming from. Isn't that how we are? And then we say, well, I'm going to change that. Good luck. When we really try and change something, we've all, I think, experienced how very hard that is. We do good for one day, right? One hour, one week, and then there's a train wreck. And we wake up, and we're right back where we were, doing it right the way we've always done it. And, and sometimes we almost say, how in the world did I get back here? I vowed I would not do this, and I'm back here again. And that's why I think repeatedly in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, now i got to remind you, this is how your tendency is going to be to act. But you can't have this new life I want you to have if you don't listen and do it differently. And this safety warning so applies to our topic for today. It applies, in a sense, to our dreams. Where 
where our life is headed. And if our dreams, if our direction looks like it always has, looks like everybody else around me at work or in the neighborhood or on the team, if I'm no different than them, I'm not going to end up where Jesus offers me I can be. So it really is a time to take stock and say, where am I headed? Is it any different than anybody else? Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. And in a sense, he applies it to our dreams and where we're headed in our life. And we all have them. Not just Christians. If we went to a, a Vikings game or a Twins game and went through the crowd, if we went to the Mega Mall today and, and walked and asked all the people shopping, wherever you might choose to go, go to the state fair this next week and ask people, they all have dreams. What, what would they say? I, this is an honest question. I would like a response. What, what do you think we would hear if we went to the state fair next week? And we just stop people on the street and we would say, what are your dreams? What kinds of things would we hear? Hmm? To travel? Money? Bigger house? Happiness? Health? Promotion? Better job? Different job? Better boss? <laughs> Win the lottery. There you go. Those are all the dreams of this world. Jesus calls us to a different dream. Can I say a better dream? Let's turn over to this chunk of the Sermon on the Mount as we work through it. Matthew 6. And I want you to keep your finger there because we're going to read two or three sections today. But I want to read this passage to begin with and sort of get the subject out in front of us. So verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus begins with a sense of a warning. His warning is that we can have some dreams that, in a sense, won't last. That even if we achieve those dreams, they're still not going to be here. And so to not waste our time aiming for those dreams, those goals, those hopes. We've all seen that. We've seen that in this economic downturn, haven't we? People who had dreams, some of those dreams they've achieved. And suddenly they wake up and that dream that they had even achieved or were halfway toward is gone. And they look back and say, I wasted all my time with that job or that company or that career or that investment. And it's now gone. That's not a new lesson. Solomon did uh, intensive uh, investigations of dreams and what to aim for, goals to have in your life, how to achieve happiness. 
he recorded his research results in Ecclesiastes. And here's what he said in 2.11. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, he was the Donald Trump of his day. I mean that in the amount of wealth he had. Not his personality or character. And even in that wealth and success, his conclusion was, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. The word is vapor, fog, no substance. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. The truth is, Jesus recognizes that that is open to all of us. And it's very common in this world for people to adopt goals that when they get there, if they ever do, there's nothing that'll last. Nothing that counts, nothing that really matters, nothing that really endures. And so first, Jesus says, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life chasing after a dream, a goal, a hope, a focus that really, even if you get it, won't last. But Jesus, after that warning, in a sense, he gives a better option. That there are some dreams, some goals that we can go after that will last. That when we achieve them, in a sense, nothing will take them away from us. These goals, no economic downturn, no foreign oil control, no politicians, no natural disasters, no health crisis. Nothing can take these away from us. And so he naturally says, and logic would say, well, of course, that's what we want to go after. And that's what Jesus urges upon us. To go after those things which matter and will last forever. I want to bring back a diagram that we've talked about in the last few months and years. Because it's really a, a way to chart out human history and where we are and where the world and creation is. In the upper left, you see, in a sense, God making everything and starting things out. He's God on his throne. And the problem becomes humans say, I want to call the shots. Started with Adam and Eve. And a whole bunch of us have continued that and say, I like to be in control. I like to call the shots. And so that is rebellion and so that bottom line that's going along there are all those who said I, I don't need God I'm not going to listen to him I want to live my own life some would say there is no God all of that to justify me calling the shots for my own life and we've been born into that world and we live there now, the hope that we have as Christians because of Christ's death is that we can return. There's an invitation that we can live in, back in God's kingdom. We don't have to stay here, and that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's how for us down here can learn to live as if we're up here in the kingdom of God. That's what's available to us. But there is a time, God said, when I'm going to run out of patience and I will forcibly restore everything to my rule. But for a time, we have two kingdoms, two worlds, and we live in it every day. And we see that 
And what Jesus is saying to us is, don't make your goals down here. You see my number one. He's saying, don't, don't waste your time because this place, is it's not going to last. It's broken down here. There's disease. There's unfairness. There's political upheaval. There's economic upheaval. There is all kinds of brokenness down here. This is an earthquake zone. Don't build your buildings down here. But he held out hope because he says, there is a place that's stable. There is a place where you can build your lives, where you can focus your dreams, you can build your buildings that is safe from any earthquake, any disease, any brokenness of this world. And what he's really saying is make sure your dreams are up there. Make sure your goals are up there. And that's what he calls us to do if we're in God's kingdom, if we are a child of God. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, well, what kind of goal would that be? I mean, we're pretty good with goals down here, number one. We can make our lists real quick. What's a number two kind of goal? And I understand you may be sitting there saying, oh, sit on a cloud and play a harp. And we would never want to say that out loud, especially in a church building. It probably doesn't grab most of us. Or we have some image of a monk, you know, sitting on top of a mountain. A little Buddhist flavor, just sort of, hmm. And, and we're just sort of just sitting there. And I don't mean to be flippant, but I think it is a little harder for us to think, what would it be a number two kind of goal? The answer I would offer in that is, let's look at Jesus. I don't think Jesus was ever accused of living this sort of boring life sitting on a cloud playing a harp. I think most of us would say he had a pretty amazing life, a pretty dynamic life. And it wasn't, a, uh, he didn't just sit around. He was constantly moving and doing and touching lives and having a fulfilling life of his own and looking back and saying, I made a difference. And not just on the cross. But all the lives he touched, all the people he was around, maybe that's the kinds of goals that could do the same thing for us. Now, Jesus is right. That's very different than a number one goal. That's very different than a new car, a, a, a new boat, a, some new clothes, that kind of stuff. And and. We don't have time to go elsewhere and look at all that Jesus said. If you really want a satisfying life, it's a number two goal that's going to make you satisfied. When you can look back and say, look at what I've done. Look at the lives I've touched, the difference I've made at work, in my family, in my neighborhood, with some friends. It's not a boring life at all. But that's a number two kind of goal. It's the kinds of dreams that God on earth as Jesus had. And he says, come follow me. I will show you how to have a life full of meaning and satisfaction and security. I'll show you how to do that. But have your dreams up here in God-sized dreams because that's what he's about. Now that choice of where we have our dreams has enormous implications. That verse 21, I just sort of went over it quickly, but I want to go back to it. We already read it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Now, Jesus teaches us a lesson there that is counterintuitive. I think most of us, if we would have written that verse ourselves, we would have put it the opposite. Decide where your heart is, and that's where you'll put your treasure. But Jesus says that's not how it works. And I think he's right. He's saying where you invest your dreams, what you focus on, where you are working and accumulating and doing and being, guess what? That's where your heart's going to be. Heart follows treasure. And that's why this decision about where do we put our dreams, where are we headed, where are we accumulating treasure, why it is so important for us. When we make our dreams, we need to be careful because that's where our heart's going. That's where our heart will be. Now, Jesus talks about people who choose poorly and make the wrong decision. And he talks about it as the greatest tragedy. Let's keep reading in the sermon. The next uh, couple verses, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Can we go back to our dreams and our goals, our hopes? What are we looking at? What are our eyes focused on? This is is directly related to what Jesus has just said. And what he says is how tragic when people fill their eyes and their lives looking for dreams and hopes and treasure that is not going to last. Darkness. And if that's where they're looking, it's going to fill their whole life with nothing. But he says we can look for light, for that which is good and lasting. And if we do that, if that's our focus, that fills our whole life as well. Every one of us knows people like this, don't we? People who have spent their whole lives looking for something, working towards something, and even when they've arrived, their life is wasted. They focused on stuff. They focused on success. They focused on experiences, their image, appearances. They didn't choose to waste their lives. They chose the wrong dreams. And in the process, they wasted their lives. And that's what Jesus warns us about. And he also practices a little bit of tough love because he says the reality is you can't have it both ways. Can I go back to our diagram? Oh, sorry. First, let's read what he says. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, some translations say money. The word that's used there is bigger than money. It's money and all that money buys. Stuff. The King James called it mammon. But all that stuff, you can't have it both ways. Now can we go back to that diagram? What Jesus is saying is you can't decide that you want to live with God in his kingdom. You want to be a child of God and make your dreams in number one. 
Number one and number two don't mix. You're either in God's kingdom and you're focused there or you're not. And we shouldn't kid ourselves. We have to face reality and make a choice. Now I understand if you're sitting there, you're saying, but whoa, 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 Jim, wait a minute. Are you saying I don't have any worries about income, paying the bills, my family, clothes, food, you know, these basics? What about those? Oh, those are legitimate concerns. And to his credit, Jesus deals with them. He actually spends most of this passage that we're looking at today on addressing that very worry that we have as humans who are still down in this physical world. What do we do with all that? I want to read, it's a longer passage, but I want to read what he says. So turn back there to Matthew 6. I want to read 25 through 33. Therefore, if all this is true, Jesus says, if all that I've said is true, then I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And realistically, that's my insertion, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So why are you worrying about all this stuff? 28, and why why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? The pagans, those living without God, Run after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Jesus' reassurance is you can focus and dream with God because God is going to take care of the stuff you need. He knows you need it, and he loves you, And he will take care of that. You don't have to worry about it. God's got your back. He's going to provide what you need. And that can free you up to focus on the big dreams, the things that really last forever. Now, is there any evidence to support this? How many stars did it get from those who have already purchased this? Well, Jesus says, okay, let me, let me give you some testimonies of current clients of God. Look at creation. Have you seen any birds complaining that God failed and let them down, that it didn't work, he didn't keep his promise? Jesus said creation is evidence that this isn't some trick offer from God. It's real. Look at how he provides for all of creation. And you think he won't? provide for you he ends with a statement that we all need dreams a kingdom to seek treasure to build and go after 
I think that's part of our image of God in us. God is doing and going and dreaming. We resemble our Heavenly Father. It's not wrong to have dreams and goals. But what he says is, make sure you have bigger dreams. Not less dreams. Way more than a house or a car or a promotion. Dreams about making a difference in people's lives, about making a difference in your corner of the world, about finding significance with the gifts and abilities God has given you. And using those to be a part of what He's doing in your corner of the world and that sense of joining with God in what He's about, where you're at. And He said, if that's what you'll go after, if those will be your dreams you will find significance and new life that you only dreamed about when you thought it would be a new car. And those kinds of dreams you will have forever. Some of those very people will look you in the eye in heaven and say, thanks, you're why I'm here. You touched my life. You said that word to me at work. You made a difference when I was down. Thank you. And you will have that blessing forever. And while you're focused on all that, Jesus concludes and said, God's going to be busy taking care of your needs, your food, your clothes, your income. He'll be there for you. He wants you focused, doing bigger stuff with him. That's a new kingdom. And that's a new life. Let's pray. Father, so often Satan has sold a lie that following you is trading in what's good for what's lesser. Nothing could be further from the truth. You have come to give us life more abundantly, a better life. A life with significance, a life without worry, a life with accomplishments that last forever. Help us see that. Help us heed your safety warning and not live like we have lived. Live like everybody around us. But take your direction seriously and begin to live a new life with new dreams even this week. In your son's name.